I'm Anna Lee Ashford. I'm Andrew Keenan Bulger. Hi, I'm Eden Espinosa. Hi, I'm Laura Osnes, and you're listening to Theater People. Welcome to the Theater People Podcast. I'm Patrick Hines. We started getting requests for today's guest, Leslie Margarita, within days of the premiere of our very first episode. I didn't know much about her, so I took to the internet to learn more, and I have to say that I found her persona online to be a bit intimidating, but also intensely intriguing. This is a lady who most of her fans call the Queen. Her Twitter handle is Queen Leslie, and her popular one-woman show is called All Hail the Queen. A Google image search turns up pages and pages of her in gaudy wigs and corseted gowns and eccentric makeup. She's like Lady Gaga meets Bette Midler meets those bizarre and gorgeous people from the Capitol and the Hunger Games. I was intrigued by the fact that she'd won an Olivier for her work in London's West End production of Zorro. Was she English? I had no idea. And how, I wondered, had someone with only one Broadway credit, she's played the role of Mrs. Wormwood in Matilda since it debuted on Broadway last year, amassed such a massive and loyal following of fans. I had to find out what it was about her that people loved so much. On the day of the interview, I really didn't know what I was in for. I was excited and nervous, half expecting a diva with an entourage and possibly an attitude. But what I got instead was a down-to-earth, professional, but fun lady, who was 15 minutes early, by the way, which really does say something about a person on an exhausting eight-show-a-week schedule. The interview which you're about to hear was such fun to record. What I took away from it is that more than anything, Leslie Margarita is grateful. Sure, she's hilarious and successful and talented beyond measure, but mostly she's grateful for where she is, the job she has, and the opportunity to share her gifts and for the fans who adore her. In short, she's a doll. Here's our conversation. Excited to be here. I'm nervous. I was saying that we demanded that we were. Oh my god! Like, we have like all these Twitter followers who are like just crazy obsessed with you. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. You have a whole bunch of like 15 year old stalkers. <gasps> 15 year old stalkers are the best. <laughs> I put together a whole sheet. Of- oh my god, that's a dossier. It's a dossier. It's a dossier. <gasps> oh my god. That many people ask questions? No, no, no. This is just my research. Oh! Oh, <laughs> oh my god. Wow. I was okay. just saying that. Um, so I have been I've been supposed to see Matilda like a million times, and I finally just saw it the other night. Right. And it was just on the heels of me and my husband like taking in this like seven day old foster baby. Stop who it. Who is like the like the, the center of the universe. And the <gasps> but you know it's the foster care system, and you don't know what's going to happen. And I was saying maybe you shouldn't go see Matilda. <laughs> oh my god, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting in like literally the last row. Bawling my eyes out. There's oh. this like, soccer mom with her 10 kids next to me. She's like, are you okay? Oh, my God. I was like, no, I'm not okay. No, it's beautiful, right? <laughs> I, uh, Every time Matilda says, I'm a girl. I, I just know. I can hear my foster daughter's voice. Oh. It's beautiful. It's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you so much. I'm so lucky, and I'm sure you'll be a better parent than I am in the show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do my very best, but I'm going to try to have that hair. 
Right? Yeah. Oh my god, I, I'm obsessed with my wig. I love it so much. Um, okay, we'll get to Matilda okay. in a minute because mm-hmm. I was yeah. gonna say I. <laughs> the first thing I, I have in you is says that you were raised on a cattle ranch in Northern California, and then my question to myself was, what on earth was that like? Oh my god. Um, yes, that is true. I was raised on a cattle ranch until I was 12. It was the best thing ever. I loved it. I was a total tomboy, yeah. and then when we moved, I became like princessy but I was total tomboy it was just me um my sisters were older so you know they they went to college and so it was really just me on the ranch doing shows with the cows I'm not even kidding like it was amazing and and um the only horrifying part was I had to walk down this huge dirt road to get to the school bus, and when I'd get on the bus, the kids would moo. <laughs> you weren't like in a cattle ranch community. You were like no. in the lone cattle ranch. Lone cattle ranch. When did you discover the acting bug? Um, I danced when I was – I started dancing when I was four and loved it. And then when I was like eight – my mom took me to Annie in San Francisco, and I I remember watching those orphans being like, I can do that. That's like, I'm, I could be so much better. Because one of them had messed up, and I was like, I wouldn't have messed up. And then, um, so then they were having an open call for kids for the um, a production in the Bay Area for, in San Francisco. And I was like, I, I can do this. I'm going to get this. And my mom was like, honey, you've never sung Hundreds of girls are going to be there. And then my dad got the application, and we went down. And my, I had never, I don't know, never sung, like, in public. And we went and got the application. We went down again. There were hundreds of these little girls all in, like, dresses. And I was in jeans and obviously live on the cattle ranch. And my mom, <laughs> I, seriously, right? And my mom said that, like, 100 girls would go in. 90 would come out and I would still be stuck in there and still in there and still in there and by the end of the day I had booked the job <laughs> and, wow. I, and I walked out and I was like yeah well no biggie yeah it happens it, happens. it was like no big deal um, and then I just started doing shows from, from then on it was Probably so professionally yeah like professionally and non-professionally because I was a kid you could you could do that and in the Bay Area San Francisco and San Jose there's so much theater that always needed kids so I would I would go do the you know Civic Light Operas there I would do like um, community theater shows all through high school and did you train like did you take voice lessons I did yeah I, I did after that um, I still danced a ton and then I started taking voice lessons when I was about 12 and I had annied everywhere and <laughs> was screaming and then started taking voice lessons and and um and went to acting. I went to camp um, at Hofstra University when I was 15. I came out here. It was the first time I came to New York and went to a theater camp for teens. And so I did all that. And um, I loved it. I did it all through high school. And then I started working at a theme park doing shows. Oh, wait. Which, which theme park was it? Great America. Ooh. Great America. Dancing. Oh, my God. No, it was like, it was, um, I did a show called Dancing in the City, which was all different cities. And then I did a show called It's Magic, which was all, I was like a magician's assistant. It was all magic tricks. Um, and then I did a show called Rock the House, which was all pop songs. But that was all in high school. And I know. I loved the theme parks. Even when I went to college, I started working at Disney and Universal. I loved it. And you went to UCLA. I went to UCLA. Okay. Yeah. I stayed in Cali. And, and the UCLA acting program, it, does it do theater and – does it teach you, like, acting for theater and for film? Or is it one – or is it just acting is acting is acting? 
Acting is acting is acting. Um, it may have changed when I was contract there. Is a contract. Is a contract. Uh, yeah, it may have changed when I I went originally as a dance major because when I went to UCLA in 1922, um, <laughs> you you couldn't work if you were a theater major. You couldn't work outside of the program. And when I went to UCLA because I knew that I would have a job with Disney. I was going to work at the at Disneyland. And I really, really wanted to do that. Um, so I majored in dance and then could still work oh, interesting. and do stuff on the outside. Oh, um, I know. And then um, I still did all I still did the musicals. They had an amazing musical theater teacher there named John Hall. And tons of like Broadway celebs have come out of his program. And it was like oh, this wow. little teeny musical theater workshop group. Um, and I've met like my, some of my best friends there, which is, is crazy. And then so I continued to do that, and then um, I didn't even end up majoring in theater there. Wow. Crazy, I Make know. We always talk about that on this show. Make like, your own path. Yeah. yeah. So, like, I, you have said, I have a quote written down. Oh. I have to quote back to you later okay. about, about doing, like, creating <gasps> your own work. Uh. But it's so interesting, you know, because we have a lot of younger people who listen to this show who, who are trying to decide, do I go to school, do I not go to school? And you have, a, you have like, a somewhere in the middle where I'm going to go to school, but I'm going to do it, like, on my terms. Yeah, I um, I think for sure I always tell the kiddos, go to school, just because, I mean, I remember I wanted to, to go out there at 18 and, and do it, but I'm really grateful for the time just to grow up and get more experience. Um, I mean, for me, the trajectory was so weird. I thought I would go to New York and do Broadway right away. It ended up I stayed in L.A. until this year. You know, it just, mm-hmm. it just ended up. With a pretty important pitch. A good pit stop, yeah, a really good pit stop. But it's just like you don't know what your path is. You think you think you do mm-hmm. at seventeen. You totally think you have it figured out. Uh, and New York is not a seventeen-year-old town. Ooh, Lord, my parents. We came out here, and I had been accepted to a lot of schools out on the East Coast, and so we went to see them all. And I remember we went to Juilliard. No offense to Juilliard, because a ton of friends went there. But I remember going into those practice rooms and then walking out on the street and I was like I can't do this mm-hmm. I, it's it was too much coming from California and and it's just a, such a different vibe but I remember being like freaked out I was like I don't I don't I can't do this right now well it's another cool thing that I read about you is that you always tell people to like have a life that like theater is what you do it's not your life absolutely like a uh, huge proponent of that and and it just makes you a better performer and you know all those kids that are so I mean like in high school my parents made me have a life. There were times when I could have left. I remember all I wanted to do was be on the Mickey Mouse Club, the reboot. <laughs> With Kimberly. Totally. And totally. The reboot. And um, it was, I really wanted to do it. And I remember my parents said, you'd leave high school. Because it was a definite, like, possibility yeah. that I was going to go and do this. I, would, I, would gonna, yeah. I, I had, like, auditioned. Like, it was definitely going to happen. And I remember thinking, Oh God, I would have to leave and not have a normal high school experience. But I wanted that so bad. I wanted to be a cheerleader. I wanted to do my high school musicals. I, you know, I wanted to be like a student council officer. And I'm so happy that I did. I wanted to go to prom. You know, all those it's things. To hear you say that, and I think that's important for people to like really listen to because it worked out for you like in spades. Like you don't have to just give up your life to. I always think like I was an acting major in college, and Lord knows I never was an actor ever again. Right. But I didn't study abroad because we were all told that if you study abroad, then the people in the program forget about you here, and you won't get cast in anything. No. And it's like one of my biggest regrets. 
Yeah, I, I think, I mean, again, find your own path, but I really, you have to have a life. Because also then, you know, when you start doing it professionally, it, it's rough. And I find that the people that all they talk about and all they obsess about are shows and who's doing what and why aren't you getting this role and blah, blah, blah. You just, you lose your life. Yeah. And so you have to have other things to think about and... It, I, I honestly think it makes you a better performer, too. I really do. Just having outside... And just being interesting. Just being interesting, yeah. I mean, I have a really great group of friends that when we hang out, we'll, we'll talk show for about 10 minutes, and then pff, that's yeah. it. Like, it's, you just have to... Otherwise, you become obsessed, and yeah. So after college, you get, like, your first, like, your first TV big gig is Fame LA. Oh, my God, Yeah. Crazy. Can you directed by Kenny Ortega. Kenny Ortega. Oh, my God. Tell me everything. Um, so, again, like, my path is bizarre. So I, you know, go to college. I'm working at theme parks and having a blast. And then it was one of those things where um, I – so here, here's a funny trajectory. So um, Rent had come out, and it was a huge, huge deal um, when I was in college. And – the Los Angeles company was there was going to be like the first. I think Boston was first, and then they were doing an LA company. And um, at like eighteen, I was like, "Yeah, I I, I want to do this. I want I want to be Maureen." So I had gotten rent in LA. That was Neil Patrick Harris. Oh, that was yeah. Our, uh, last um, guest, Larson. Uh, yeah. Um, I had gotten rent. I was going to be the Maureen cover. Um, and but at the same time, I had gotten a manager um, mainly for like theater stuff because you know in college they like send out agents manager letters so I got this great manager and um, he was sending me out on TV stuff and I was like well you know whatever we'll think and that season was a show called they were rebooting fame fame LA I was a massive fame fan um, Kenny Ortega who I was a huge fan of was rebooting it Marguerite Derricks who choreographed Heathers uh, was a oh. choreographer and um MGM was doing it, and um, I had just, like, a couple auditions, after I started auditioning for TV stuff, I, I got a pilot that was about a band for ABC, and Kenny Ortega was kind of, like, executive producing it. Can't even tell you the name, because I've blocked it out. Musical TV shows were huge, huge. Like, for a minute in the 90s. Huge. And this was before High School Musical, all that. So, um, huge. So then I... Sure rags to riches. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, when I was a kid, all about that show. Totally. Um, so then... I auditioned for Fame, and um, the weird thing was I started auditioning, and I was submitted for basically what was the Doris Vinsecca role, like not a singer, not a dancer. I was like the comic. Uh, okay, whatever. Um, and then it got down further and further, and then I tested um, for the show at the Improv in L.A. Still no, didn't sing, didn't dance for any of the auditions, was just doing like improv and comedy and stuff. And... Um, Ended up getting series, so I couldn't, I didn't do rent in LA. It was like I had, it was the most wow. insane, I know, but I feel like at that age, you you don't think that things aren't impossible mm -hmm. and you lose that somewhere along the way. But mm -hmm. then I was like, yeah, that's just how it's supposed to go. And, you know, a few years later, it comes crashing down and you're like, oh, <laughs> it's not how it always goes. But yeah, at that time, it was, it was nuts. And so I did, um, I did end up singing on the show, and I did end up dancing thanks to Kenny Ortega. And then you did like a lot of theater in LA, like you stayed in LA. Yeah, I stayed in LA, I, not for lack of trying. 
Um, I think what a lot of people don't understand is that I just got Matilda out of the blue. I was always flying here for auditions, and I was literally next in line for so many things. And I know that, oh, my God, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, because then I feel like that always diminishes the other people that, you know what I mean? Like Maybe when we turn the microphone off. When we turn the microphone off. But literally, like, so many close calls, and um, so many close calls, even right before I got Matilda, close calls. And I was like, I I don't know. And everyone was saying, you got to move to New York. You have to be here. And I just didn't want to. I I loved L.A. And um, I was getting TV work, like guest stars and... And, um, you know, that was my home. California is my home. And and then I started doing shows in L.A. And the theater scene in L.A., especially at that time, was so welcoming. And the people are amazing because they were all people who made the choice to live there. They had either done Broadway or didn't, didn't care about doing Broadway. But they knew that L.A. is not a theater town. But they were there anyway. Mm-hmm. And um, the shows were amazing. And, you know, I... I I still I miss that community. I think they're um, doing great work. I think that it's uh, not as recognized as it should be. But yeah, I loved it. And how did Zorro come out of that? So, <laughs> so this is how this is. The, I know, right? This is like why trust like the universe. Mm-hmm. Tr- like, don't force your path because had I gone to New York, none of this would have happened. So Zorro, I. Kept doing shows in L.A. and blah, blah, blah. And so then a friend of mine called and said, I'm stage managing a workshop of Zorro the Musical. The Gypsy Kings wrote it, and I was like, oh, wow. Eyes just keep as midnight. Her smile's so full of secrets. Her lips so full of promise. And she calls. You hear her calling your name. If you look, she is there when you are dreaming. Dancing. In the firelight, the light that casts your shadow, her beauty's in each sunset, and she calls and she calls and she calls. Stop when she calls, when she calls. Bumboleo, Bumboleo, Feel a spirit move inside you and take a chance. Bumboleo, The whole team is from London, and they're coming to L.A. because they think that there's a bigger Latin, um, you know, population, uh, 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 a bigger Latin pool to... For talent? For talent. talent. And I laugh because I'm 100% Italian, (laughs) not Latin at all. Which an accent means Puerto Rican. Literally, yeah. Yeah, because I have dark hair. uh, Yeah, and it... So I was like, okay, I'll audition, and... um, they sent me the breakdown of the stage manager. My friend was like, I think you should go in for this role. And I looked at the breakdown. And I was like, oh, oh, no. And th- he had thought I should go in for, like, the lead girl. And I looked at the, the other role. And I was like, oh, oh, no, no. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm this one. So I walked in and met uh, Chris Rentrow, the director, and John Cameron, who was doing the music. And the producers were there. And um, it was this, you know, crappy $100 week-long reading. And it was just... I think, like, act one, maybe some of act two. Um, you know, and they were like, well, we think we're going to open the show in London someday. And I was like, uh-huh, sure, whatever. Over the course of two years, um, I kept workshopping the show. They um, did it in L.A. Uh, we came to New York with it. They cast, they, and they kept recasting every time we do it, but I stayed. And um, 
from the ground up really felt like uh, this was my baby. Like I was helping guide this role and the writer was became such good friends with, of mine that he'd let me like have input on, on the character. So over two years, we'd workshop it in L.A. We did uh, New York. We did a workshop here. We did a workshop in San Francisco because that's where the Zorro company is based. So two years pass of doing workshops. And then, um, gosh, I didn't hear anything for like seven or eight months after that. And then I get a call saying, we think we're going to open Zorro in London. We're really going to try and bring you. And I was like, "Uh uh-huh, sure. (laughs) Absolutely. Heard it a million times. Um, and, you know, I was a little bummed. I was like, oh, I wish they would have done it here because I was in love with the role. And and um, I had gotten engaged and was planning, like, this massive Italian wedding. So um, I kept hearing, like, no, we're really going to try. We're really going to try. And then I'd hear equity wouldn't exchange you, so we're going to try and get you a work visa. And I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. So the show was going to um, tour England first. They do that a lot there. They they will tour it and tweak it before it opens on the West End, and it was going to be like a, a six-month work and tour. And um, I was going to th- – they were starting on January 3rd. I got a call on December 22nd wow. saying, we got your papers. They, like, lawyered up. I they lawyered up. They lawyered up, and I will be forever grateful because they not only spent a ton of money, but like believed in me that much to bring me over. They lawyered up, got me the papers, and um, I was like, I'm getting married in April, which was the last, I was getting married on the last day of the tour. And I said, I'll come do this, but you have to let me leave to go get married. And they were like, we'll let you out two days before, and your understudy will finish it out. And I was like, oh, God, oh, God. So, um. So I left. My husband finished like all the preparation with oh my, my mom. <laughs> For anybody who's ever gotten married, we all know what a nightmare. It's a nightmare. It's, nightmare it's a nightmare. Um, and I was flying blind. There was no um, guarantee of it going to the West End. I was the only American that they brought over. There was the only one that. So it didn't have like an end date. Okay, clear this up for me, please. Yeah. On West End or in the West End? Oh, um, on. Thank you. No, no. In. Oh, it's in. Idiot. On Broadway, in West End. In West End. In West, it's West End. It's in West Not End. Oh, God, I almost okay. got my card taken away. Yeah, no. in West End. <laughs> in West End. So it didn't have, like, a, a theater book in the West End. It was it just did not. fingers crossed. It was <laughs> fingers so crossed. The West End is any vacancy. Literally. It's just like here. Like, you wait for a theater, blah, blah, blah. So I went um, in January um, and rehearsed for a month and a half, and then went to this beach town called Eastbourne, which is where they uh, try out a lot of stuff, and then toured to, like, six cities. And still, I mean, the show was going through so many changes. Oh, my God. (laughs) Barely. (laughs) Some of these towns that we went... Oh, and then we went to Glasgow and Scotland, and, like, it was super cool. And, um, you know, I I had a blast. I loved it. I believed in the show, but I knew that they were going to make massive changes. So, um, three days with massive, I know, (laughs) massive, massive changes. Um, so three days before my wedding, I flew to San Francisco and then hadn't seen my husband in three months, my soon to be husband. Um, not knowing if the show was going to go to the West End at all. So two days later, the night before my wedding, Uh I get a phone call. I know it's so dramatic. (laughs) I get a phone call and, uh, the, um, main producer John Gertz called and he said not only am I wishing you um, well on your wedding tomorrow but I have a gift for you he said you're opening on the West End 
um, you have to be back here in two weeks. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so we didn't take a honeymoon, um, but I was so thrilled. Oh, and um, that is yeah. so amazing. Amazing. So then I went, and um, it the, the, though, so spoiler alert, what had happened between the tour and the West End show is that they kill my character off in the second act. Oh. But, and I was devastated because I, I was like, you can't kill her off. You, you can't. And they were like, we needed to, to shock the audience and what better way to shock the audience? I'm totally giving it away, but you'll <laughs> never see it. Um, and I was devastated and it was the best thing that they ever did because it was just, it, it was the best thing that they ever did for my character. First of all, how amazing is it that you made your West End debut before you made your Broadway right? debut? Right? That's crazy. I'm telling you, trust the universe. You don't know what your path is. Oh it was God. nuts. People, I was like, how did she do that? And people were like, oh, she married a British guy. And she no! Purely, this company just wanted me to do the show and believed in me, and that never happens. Oh that never happens. God, that, <sighs> okay, so where are you? Where how, okay, is it the same thing where like are the are the Olivia is as big as the Tonys over there? Is yeah, it a big a deal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, do you remember every minute of like get get finding out you were nominated? You know, um, I don't. The thing the thing that is different there is we had opened in the summer and the Olivier's were going to be in the spring. Um, it wasn't like, I didn't, it didn't register with me because um, Americans, now some have won since, but Americans just didn't really win. Okay. Um, it, it, I would have been shocked if I was going to get nominated, to be honest. And like not to your category isn't best supporting. No. Category. It's like best supporting person. It's male and female. Together. So you need to like be a, that's, yeah, that and that's why I was like, you know, uh, best actor and best actress, they have separated. They're male and female are separated. Right. But supporting is all together. So I was like, there's just no but way. It's not like there's 10 contenders. It's, it's one category with still only five slots. Yes. Yeah. There's not like, um, like here there are about 20 award, different awards and things get nominated. There isn't there. The Olivier's are kind of it. Um, there's maybe like a couple of websites that have awards and I'd been nominated for those. I was like, yeah, those are fun. But the Olivier's was like, because there's just the one big show, they mean that much more to them. Um, so the nominations, what was weird was um, the night before, they let uh, producers know what the nominations are. Like, you don't oh. find out. Um, and so I had gotten a text from my producer. The night before they're announced to the public? Yeah. The night before they're announced to the public, before the nominations are announced to the public, mm -hmm. they let the producers know so that they can have press ready or, you know, I mm -hmm. actually think it's kind of smart because then yeah. they can roll out there. Um, and uh, I got a text and um, they're not supposed to tell anyone, but my, my, one of my producers texted me. He said, I think that you should watch the nominations tomorrow. And I was like, oh, I honestly didn't even realize that they were happening. My friends in the cast who were also nominated had gotten text messages. We were texting back and forth going, do you think, we're, do you think the show's nominated? Like, we're hoping that the show's nominated. But then, like, um, my friend Matt, who was playing Zorro, he was like, well, I don't, let's not get our hopes up because, you know, you're American. <laughs> I have bad luck. He's like, I don't think we're nominated. I don't think. So then um, when it happened, it was, like, nuts, crazy nuts. I was sitting in my apartment, and I, I, there was no way I was going to win. No way. It was crazy, and I, it was just bizarre. It was bizarre, and... 
for me, I was like, well, this is a game changer. Now I can go to New York and somebody will hire me. Sure, yeah. Not so fast. Um, <laughs> but yeah, then we went to the um, awards. My husband came over and, and I was having a blast because I was like, well, I'm not winning. Right, right, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not but winning. Let me ask you about the awards because I watched your, your acceptance yeah. speech today and it looks like the Golden Globes. It looks like... Oh, yeah. So like, my question... Leslie Margarita, are, yeah. the, are the Olivia's more fun than the Tony's? Totally. I'm sorry. Oh my God. I'm sorry. So it's like you sit at tables, you drink, you. Oh, it's like the Golden Globes. England, of you, you of course. Um, <laughs> I love it, doing that. That's too many things I've said. I don't know why. Uh, no, but it's like it was. It was a, an amazing night. The cast performed. I didn't have to perform. It was great. I could just sit back and watch. Wait, so you're sitting at your table? Yeah, sitting at my table, going, "Well, I'm not winning," and um. Uh, my husband that day was like, will you please write down some names? And I was like, why? And he was like, just don't drink a lot. I was like, oh, fine, fine. <laughs> so I was sitting there, and I'm, you know, they're announcing my category. And when they said that I won, I swear, my husband screamed so loud in my ear that I dropped everything. I dropped, like, the names that I had written down. I, that tape is hysterical because I look like a Muppet. I look like um, I had just been called to be a contestant on The Price is Right. <laughs> I'm like, ah! And I literally on my paper, I am not comfortable with how far you had to jog. That's, to, to I'm telling you, that's why we're like, we're not winning anything. <laughs> like, Jersey Boys was right up in the front. Sergio and, like, Des, they were all were in the front. And I was like, well, Jersey Boys is getting everything this year. <laughs> Nothing. So we're always, like, way in the back. So I, like, jogging, jogging to the front. And I was in shock. That was just the best. It was the best. And um, and the first thing you did was apologize for being American. I know, because I was so excited. The other thing, like, everyone's in black. I had, like, bright red on. Like, everyone's very reserved when they get their awards. Like, Patrick Stewart. And, like, you know, and I was like, ah, God, I totally won. This is amazing. Like, it was crazy. And that speech is, is nuts. But it's um, a good speech. Oh, my God. But, wait, would you say at the end, thank you for taking me. Wait, would you say it? Thank you for bringing me from L.A. I think um, I, said, I, was t- I think I was talking about my choreographer for bringing me from L.A. Yeah, 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 because it's true, like, I, it had been the craziest journey, and, you know, and, and the thing is, like, you win that award, and, and I thought the show was coming here, I thought, finally, I'm gonna get my Broadway break, and things were really tough here, shows were closing, and nobody was putting money in shows, and Zorro was, at one time, supposed to open in Boston, and then come here, and that fell apart, and, and honestly, I'm still waiting. Uh, it was just like, okay, well, maybe Zorro next season, next season. It just has never come together yet. Um, funnily enough, they, they did the show. I workshopped it um, right before I was coming in to do Matilda. Well, I'll go back, but, but finish the Zorro off. Right before I was going to go do Matilda, um, they called me and said, we're going to do another workshop of, of Zorro. We've changed some things. We're doing it in New York. Um, and we're doing it at the Alliance Theater in Atlanta. And I, and I was heartbroken, and I said, you guys, I'll, I'll come and workshop this because this is my role. This is my baby. But I just got Matilda, and I cannot do Zorro at oh the Alliance. God. And I was like, I'm, I'm literally heartbroken because the first time you do it in the States, after eight years of me doing this role, I can't do it. And it was heartbreaking, but what a great reason. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I workshopped the new version, and um, I think there's actually another version coming. Um <laughs> That they're, they're, so they're still trying to bring it. Um, wow. So I got home from the Olivier's and um, thought I would come here. And I came out here for a couple shows and um, huge, huge close calls and didn't get them. And then I went back to L.A. and did stuff there and nothing till Matilda. And it was the Brits that, like, gave me the break. 
Wait, so, but I read that you, somebody called you and said, like, you have to go in for this. Yes. A friend of mine um, from London was like, we just saw this show, Matilda, and there's a role in it that you have to play. <laughs> and I was like, all right. Um, and it had been announced that it was coming here. It had just won, like, all the Olivier's. Yeah, and I remember that. And um, I didn't know anything about it, but the the London cast album was on iTunes. And um, so I downloaded Loud, and I was like, I'm taking this. Like, literally, there's a fangs coming out. Like, I was like, oh, no, 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 this is it. Like, I have to do this. And I called my agents, and um, I said, this is coming, so keep an eye on this. Then, so, oh, my God, so funny. So, uh, oh, my God, because, I, yeah, because I, I owe this job to Eden Espinoza. I've known her f- since she's been 18, like, oh from goodness. Disney and Universal. Anyway, so, anyway, um, I... Uh, was like obsessed with this and my agents had called casting and it's hard when you're in LA because they don't always remember it's the same you know they don't remember you and anyway Carnahan had started giving people appointments and Eden Espinoza got an appointment for Mrs. Wormwood and called me and said I just got an appointment for this musical that is not me at all but it screams you and I was like what's it for she said Matilda and I was like livid I was like I didn't get in for this (laughs) <laughs> oh my god but I I only knew they were seeing people because Eden called me and no actresses do that I'm sorry like actresses are not always so nice and Eden is the bomb and literally like nobody would have done that nobody would have done that for her to be like I you need to call you need to call right now so my agent called that afternoon and got me an appointment they were like well she has to fly herself here so I flew out um and met Matthew and... How does that work? They're like, she doesn't Olivia, you have to see her. And they're just like, okay. Well, so they knew me from London. Um, Matthew Warchus knew me. Peter Darling, the choreographer, had seen me. Um, and, and yeah, they basically... And, and, not, and one of the very close calls that I had had was for Jim Carnahan. Um, very, very, like, a few months earlier. So he knew me. Um, it had just kind of slipped his mind that, you know, call me in or, or, or they were going to call me in later. I don't know. But... Um, so I got the appointment, I flew out, um, you know, and that's all on your own dime. You, nobody, yeah. The days of people flying you out is not, it's long gone. Um, flew out, had to fly back again a week later um, for the whole creative team, and then I had a, um, a session, just me with Peter Darling and his associates, because they were going to build uh, the dance around the Mrs. Wormwood. So he knew I danced, obviously from Zorro, I danced a ton in it, and... So he just had me do every trick possible that I could do, and explain that. Explain that part of the show because it's, it's, it's <sighs> explain your character and why why she's dancing through this song. Um, she is obsessed with ballroom dance, and she just she's Matilda's mom. She's Matilda's mom, and she could care less about her daughter. All she cares about is how she looks and her ballroom dancing. She's obsessed with winning. Um, in London, she's actually obsessed with like beating this woman Jennifer Littleton but we don't have that here uh she just wants to win um and so all she does is is spend money on her um dance lessons with her partner Rodolfo and so um when Miss Honey Matilda's teacher tries to um you know appeal to her and say you know Matilda's so smart blah blah blah, all Mrs. Worman wants to do is fix Miss Honey up and and tell her what's really important looks not books um and so it my number loud about the joys of big hair and flashy clothes and being loud um, turns into this fantasy number of hers and it's like dancing with the stars got to be. Whoa.
Yes. And you said that they had you when you finally got the role and you were rehearsing it, that they had you doing aerobics. Uh-huh. Three times a week, um, they would have somebody come in and basically like a, a Zumba instructor. Um, our, our dance captain like would do aerobics while they played loud and, and I would run around and do aerobics while I sang the song over and over and over just to build stamina up. They do that to Philip and I. And uh, I, it's still like to this day, it's the hardest number I've ever done. And Philip and I are on the stairwell afterwards sprawled out still to this day. It's so funny because I am usually, I think of that, you just make it look so easy or just fun or whatever. You would never, as an audience member, think, oh my God, that poor girl is exhausted. Oh, Not because it yeah. doesn't look hard, but just yeah. because you do it, you execute it so well. We we talk about that a lot because I, the rehearsal process was um, really, really difficult. There, uh they're so precise that choreography is insane for the entire show. Um, And they're so precise and we rehearsed loud, you know, for two months and I would cry every night because we wouldn't get it. We couldn't get it. We couldn't get it. And it was so hard. And then to have to sing before and after that, it was, I I used to hear the music in the set change before the number and literally almost have a panic attack because I was so afraid to do it. And the first, the first, um, no no one, no one knows this. The day of our first run through, I cried in the locker room at New 42 because I didn't want to do it. I was like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I I, I don't want to, I don't want to do it. And then now I love it. How is it working with those kids? Are they like pros or are they kids? They're they're kids who are pros. They're, they're, I mean, they're so, so They're good. so good. Um, my friends laughed when I got this job because they're like, of course, because I don't like kids. I was, like, not a kid fan. Like, I don't want them. I don't, I don't find them cute. Um, so they laughed. They're like, of course you get this role, and of course you're surrounded by kids. And when I showed up, these kids, like, melted my black heart. They are amazing. They're kids. Like, they aren't bratty showbiz kids. They aren't um, what I grew up hating, where those, you know, all they, they were like robots. These kids were kids um, who just happened to be really good at what they did. Some of them had like five Broadway shows already, and they're 12. Wow. Um, but they continue to amaze me. The new group that we got, I was like, oh, please don't. We had such great original ones. They're just as great. And they, the, the children's casting, they really go out of their way to find kids. Like, I know that they observe them in the hallways to see. They did it with Matilda's, Are you too. Stage uh-huh. <laughs> the parents aren't allowed in the theater. Wow. They're not allowed around them. They want the kids to have, you know, we have amazing child minders, the Wranglers. Um, but I know that they, I, especially with the Matildas, I know that they, for the original ones, wanted to see how they reacted, just uh, if they were kids. I mean, how do those kids remember all those words? They really drill them. About the Matildas. Yeah, the Matildas are amazing. And, yeah, you know, they're, they're sure. nine and ten. And um, they drill them. They really do. They go over it and over it and over it. And, and even, the, like, the day that they go on, they, they just go over the big speeches and stuff. But they're, they're amazing. Wow. And grounded and awesome. And, yeah, they really, really go out of their way to keep them kids. They're not allowed to go out the stage door. Um, you oh, know, they, right. I remember reading about that. Yeah, we um, we're not allowed to talk to them about the show. We have to ask them like, "How was school? How was your day?" Oh, that's so they, good. Yeah, they. So Matthew and I've never met a company that is more um, protective of these kids. Um, and so when articles or things come out about the kids not being protected, it makes me very angry because mm-hmm. I've never I've never witnessed any any other company that takes such great care of their kids. 
that. Yeah. Um, what was it like, like your first, your first night on, like your first preview on the Broadway stage? Well, honestly, what I remember the most is um, there were a couple of moments. The first time I saw Revolting Children in New Forty Two, Philip and I sat and wept. And then the, I watched it the Tony Cortez. Oh, it's just, I just yeah, wept. It's so good. And it didn't hit me. I was convinced I was going to be fired. Um, the whole process because I was like, this is too good to be true. It's too good to be true. And all of us were, were like, well, we're going to be fired. We're going to be fired. Um, the <laughs> day no happened. no. And the day that we moved in the theater was the best for me. Um, ben Thompson um, was at the stage door and videotaped me walking into the Schubert Theater for the first time, and I just lost my mind. I, it, was the, it was, you know, years and years and years of doing free theater, and, you know, I get, I get emotional now. It's just, it's really, it was really exciting, and... Um, and what a great theater. Ugh. I mean, yeah, I, 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 that's why I felt like, I'm like, the other shoe has to drop, because it's, it's too good. Um, and then the first preview... There's a picture from the first preview, um, because I know that Matthew, they, they came out uh, for the bows. They came on stage with us, and they made a speech. And um, there's a picture of me, Gabe, Bertie, and Lauren. And Gabe, Bertie, and Lauren are, are listening to Matthew very intently. And I have the hugest smile <laughs> staring at the audience. It was like, <sighs> it was the best. It was just the best. It was the best, yeah, and um, continues to be. I still, I still, like, you know, I... I for the months leading up to when I heard, I had a picture of Mrs. Wormwood, like, by my bed. Just, well, I'm going to ask you, other than doing this show, what do you and Rhea Perlman have in common? Clearly, <laughs> clearly much. Clearly, yeah. a lot. Yeah. Yeah, no, I found a picture of the woman from London. And I, oh, I from that right. woman. Yeah. Not Rhea. Sorry, Rhea. Um, but yeah, I would just, I had it, like, in my dresser drawer. And I was like, I, for months, I was like, I'm getting this. I'm getting this. I'm getting it. I'm getting it. And I still, to this day, even a year in, still go. I remember listening to Loud on the 405 freeway, you know, practicing in my car. I remember that, going, God, whoever gets this role is is so lucky. And so I, yeah, I'm, yeah. Uh, so well, lucky. Um, I wanted to also talk about the show. Um... I'll hail the queen. <gasps> I why? I, like, I mean, of course, that's the name of your show. And just now, yeah. I'm, like, I'm going to say it wrong. No. I'll hail the queen. I'll hail the queen. Because I wanted to say, you know, that the whole the whole thing, that uh, the quote that you had about um, creating your own experience, like creating your yeah. own opportunities. It's crazy. But I really write your own stuff. Um, nobody's going to have the vision that you have. Um, nobody is going to write your perfect role. No one's going to write you know, you're a perfect show, so you, you really need to do it yourself and just do it and not care what anybody thinks about it. And, and it doesn't have to be a big production like mine was. I just had a lot of friends who were unemployed. <laughs> and it's funny because everybody who comes on the show says that. Everyone's like, well, I, was, I had two years between this great yeah. job and then what I oh, had man. Job, yeah. and I wrote my own thing. And, yeah. yeah, there's so much downtime. And that's the thing. That goes back to having a life outside of theater because when you're not working, you have to have other stuff. You have to. Otherwise, you'll go crazy. I just... I can't stress it enough because I've spent so much time unemployed even after you you know you win the biggest theater award and you can't get anything and and thank god like after that you know people were like well you can't go back and do regional theater after that and I was like screw that that's Mm -hmm. all I did Mm -hmm. I did good speed I did every regional theater in LA and I was playing the roles that I wanted to play I didn't care um you know that was that was that saved me I I never be too good for anything that was ridiculous otherwise I would have never worked yeah I, I, and 
I was actually just thinking how you're our first Olivier winner on our podcast. Oh. Tony winner. Oh. Shall we do Twitter questions? Let's do Twitter questions. Um, we got, like, of course, a zillion. So we okay. did, like, the, the, the greatest hits. You can mm-hmm. pick one and then you can decide whoever many This is at J in charge. What is something about you that only your friends know? Oh. Ooh. I mean, I'm a massive Star Wars geek. I'm not. Oh, there's a question in there. About is there? That. Well, so we'll, we'll, clearly, people we'll, know yeah, that. Yeah. Explain your, your Star your Star Wars geekdom. Um, my whole life, I've been a massive Star Wars fan. I was too young when the original ones were out. Um, but the first movie that I saw was Return of the Jedi when I was a kid, and uh, I'm a huge sci-fi geek anyway. Um. And so Star Wars kind of changed my life. Like, I played with Star Wars action figures and have continued. Like, my two obsessions are the Muppets and Star Wars. Um, <laughs> and, and uh, at, like, I met my husband, and he's a massive Star Wars fan as well. And we had really? stormtroopers at our wedding. It was, like, a beautiful, <laughs> formal wedding. And my mother had no idea. My mother was livid. Um, she was like, my beautiful wedding is ruined. Uh, yeah, we had, like, this amazing, formal black tie wedding. But then we just had a couple stormtroopers, like, walk us in the bee. <laughs> Reception. We cut our cake with lightsabers. <laughs> so maybe Jay. Maybe that's something that not everyone knows. That, that's a really yeah. good one. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. All right. Reaching into the pouch. Okay. At Broadway Girl Fan, what is one thing that London has that NYC doesn't, and one thing that NYC has that Lo- London doesn't? <gasps> These are hard questions. questions. You know, I'll say this, um, and this is not meant to be a slam at all. The thing that I loved about London, um, which is not the case in L.A. or New York, is in London, actors are actors are actors. If you're a film actor or a theater actor, it doesn't matter. There isn't a – there. nobody differentiates between theater actors and film actors. Here, I feel like – it's very much like, oh, she's a movie actor trying to do musical theater. Or in London, they do everything. And it's it's so not weird that, that I mean, Ian McKellen was next the next theater next to me. You know, and it, yeah, it's not a big true. deal there, though. It's not like, it's yes, absolutely. And it's not, Ian McKellen's doing a show. Everyone's got to see it. He's just doing another show there. Mm-hmm. And it's so normal. And I don't feel that we have that here at all. Um so that's, I mean, that's one thing. But that's one. yeah, that. that's a good one. I don't know. But I, I know that over there, they look at Broadway as the, ah, which oh, is so really? strange. Yeah. It's, it's oh, funny. That's interesting. Yeah. They really, um, you know, kind of think of this as the Mecca, which I always looked at the, the other way that they'd I be like, yeah. American, we think London. Yeah, is absolutely. And, and the Londoners think that Broadway is where it's at. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, so, okay. Great. Thanks. Yes. Yeah, let's do another one. This is exciting. Jen Rubin 10. After being in a show with lots of kids, would you want your kids to be on Broadway? Oh, I was actually thinking when I wrote that, I was like, do you even want kids? I feel like you don't like kids. I don't. I don't. Let's say nieces or nephews. Nieces or nephews, no, I wouldn't. I would want them. I mean, me being a kid wanting to be on Broadway, I'm really glad that my parents were like, no, go do community theater. And then when you're 18, you can decide. I would probably do that. However, our kids are really well adjusted. And I, I mean, I think if I lived here, like they do, if I lived in Jersey or something, and that was like my community theater. Do they go to school? Like, do they, do yeah. They, so they have like kind of normal lives. They, they really do. A lot of them go to school. Some are homeschooled. Um, and then what, what they miss in school, they're tutored at the theater. They call it the chokey. There's a school room. Oh, no yeah, way. That oh, they go. Funny. So if they're not on stage, they're in the chokey. Oh, um, they're funny. getting tutored. Yeah, but they, they, go, they go to school. One of them uh, that's, that's uh, 
left the show, he got too old, Judah, was going to normal high school, actually, and that's, it's really tough. I mean, it's doing regular high school hours and then doing the show at night and keeping do your you grades up. Do they, do they age out? They age out. They, uh, over the hill, they, uh, yeah, they, uh, it wasn't really his age. They, they go by height. Uh, they go by oh, height. Right. Like, they're, they're short kid tracks and they're tall, tall kid tracks in the show, and they measure them, and if they get too tall... Then, the, then they have to go. But, you know, they're really oh, well-adjusted. I know. Some of them don't want to renew. Some of them that, that didn't grow out like just, good. yeah, just wanted to go back to school, yeah. you know, and that, that happens too. And I think that that's a testament to them. that The kids are like, yeah, it was fun, but yeah. I want to go be a normal kid again. Hey, can we give a quick shout-out to the understudy for, uh, how do you say the headmistress's name? Trunchbull. Trunchbull. So Chris Eber, right, is, is in your company yes. right now. And I love him. What a great guy. Yeah. We're trying to get him on the podcast, too. But I saw the understudy. who oh, amazing. Oh, what's his name? Ben Thompson. Ben Thompson, yes. That's who taped me going to the Schubert Theater for the first uh, time. Ben uh, Thompson. Ben Thompson, you were great. You he's were phenomenal. I know. He's phenomenal. How do you and, um, voice? Oh, my God. I know. He's so freaking talented. Um, he's actually leaving our show. Oh. He's going to go do Holler if you hear me. Oh. Yeah, he's a he's a lead in that. Oh. Um, he's so talented. I, I, I just yeah. like, love understudies. Whenever that oh. happens, it's always, I love it. Yeah, he um, he actually was was the role for almost two months um, because Chris broke his hand. Yeah, <laughs> right. Get better, He's better. He's yeah. in now. Yeah, okay. he's in now. But uh, And so Ben's in his regular track okay. for a couple more weeks before he leaves. Yeah. Should we do one more? Let's do another one. Okay, yes. Let's do another, let's one. Do another one. I hope I'm having Leslie Margaritas right now. <gasps> You'd have the pizza, though. I'm the pizza. You, wait, what? I'm Margarita. Oh, the Margarita is, pizza. Mm-hmm, it's the pizza. Oh, right. okay, okay, at Brian Bintu, <laughs> you've done a lot of theater work in L.A. How is L.A. theater different from New York theater? Uh, it's just not as famous. <laughs> <laughs> There really is no difference. I, I felt no different opening Little Shop of Horrors in La Mirada, California, than I did opening this, except there was more pressure. Wow. I mean, for me, it, it was different, like, because it was Broadway and I was making my debut. But the process is the same. Yeah, and I think the quality, I, we, we had other people, like, we had Daisy Egan was one of our Yeah. Guests. She was a lot of theater Tons, out, like, yeah. Tons, yeah. Like, they get, like, great people out there. They get amazing people. And honestly, I... I have met more talented people out there in in the small area than than I have anywhere else. Like it's the, the talent pool is phenomenal, and um, you know it's just really cool. The the runs are shorter. Um, yeah, I just love it. It's it's sadly kind of dying out there because oh, really? theater, a lot of big theaters have closed, and um, there used to be more. But I'm hoping it'll make a resurgence. But yeah, the LA theater scene is amazing. There's one, I'm going to dig this question out. Yes. Because it's a good one. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a mm-hmm. good one to end on. Okay, this is a oh. good one. I okay. Like this one. Okay. At Grateful Broadway Fan. I like that name. <laughs> how does one become queen-like? It's impossible to become the queen, but how do we come close? Oh, good luck, honey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, look. Normally, I would say, like, it's impossible. But I will, I will answer you truthfully. How do you become a queen-like? I firmly believe, and this is one of the reasons why I kept calling myself the queen, nobody's going to give you the title that you deserve, so give yourself the title, whether that's queen, whether that's king, whether that is, you know, just supreme ruler of my room, whatever that is. Um, It really is about um, ruling your own kingdom, in a way. I don't know how to sound without sounding preachy. It's just really like, pray, just like you know, follow your own path. Don't don't look to other people. You are the ruler of your own kingdom. What they do in their kingdom, 
Who cares? You don't care about it. Stay on your path. Do what you do. Be you. You rule your own little country, which is why I still call myself the queen because I can. <laughs> and so can you. Um, and that's, that's, that's ma- mainly the theme of the All Hail the Queen show is rule your own kingdom. Be you. Be, don't be anybody else because it will serve you well. You may think that it won't and it may be really hard sometimes, but eventually like, you will come out on top. Mm-hmm. Today's episode was produced by Vanya Arslanian, Mike Jensen, and me, Patrick Hines. Special thanks, as always, to BroadwaySpotted.com, Davenport Theatrical, Bradley Behan, Steve Tipton, the staff at Oswald, and Ellen Marsh. Follow us on Twitter, where we do most of our shenanigans. We're at Theater People. That's theater with an E-R-P-P-L, or search Theater People Podcast. Also like us on Facebook and Instagram. You can find all of our episodes, including our recent conversations with Anthony Rapp, Laura Osnes, Annalie Ashford, director Michael Mayer, and many, many more at our website, www.theaterpeople.com. Again, that's theater with an E-R-P-P-L dot com. We'll be back in two weeks with Kinky Boots and Legally Blonde director, choreographer, the Tony winner, Jerry Mitchell. Until then, fellow theater people, tell your friends about us. Let's get the theater community talking.